Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, a lot going on this week with the uh, uh, Minneapolis verdict, the Chauvin verdict. Uh, plus, we have an update on the critical race theory threat in our schools. We have a court hearing coming up on it. Uh, but first up, obviously, is the big news this week which is the guilty verdict of uh, former police officer Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. Now, uh, many Americans are celebrating the verdict. Other Americans are not so confident. The verdict was arrived at in a way that gives confidence that the uh, justice was fairly administered. And one of the reasons that people uh, are of some concerns about the context of the verdict is the comments of people like Maxine Waters and the President of the United States, Joe Biden. Now, Maxine Waters is a repeat offender when it comes to making threatening, violent style comments. Back in 2018, she attacked uh, the President's cabinet, President Trump's cabinet, by encouraging people to go out and make a crowd and push back against cabinet officials when they were uh, in public spaces like at gas stations and other uh, public spaces. Uh, Complete incitement of violence. Judicial Watch back in 2018 filed an ethics complaint with the House ethics process. Of course, they sat on it, and I'll go into more of that in detail later. Uh, But it's not the first time that she's been involved in in terms of uh, the more recent comments, which I'll talk about, it's not the first time, obviously, that she's done something like this. And in the case of the Chauvin trial, she traveled out to Minneapolis. It looks like she was actually appearing at a protest that was conducted in violation of a curfew. So the lawlessness begins there. And she essentially intimidated the jury or attempted to and uh, incited violence by saying if the verdict did not go the way uh, that she wanted it to go, People should remain in the streets and be more confrontational. Now, how do you interpret that other than to continue to do the more more of the lawlessness that had been around this trial, uh, thanks to another shooting death uh, a few weeks ago? Uh, terrible, terrible things for a congressman to be saying. Even it was so bad that the judge the next day uh, made a note that uh Maxine Waters' comments might be enough to throw out the whole verdict. And of course, Joe Biden made a comment, supposedly while the jurors were sequestered, we know how that goes, that uh, he was hopeful that he would do the right thing in terms of the right verdict, meaning a guilty verdict. So he had two major political figures, one used in the context of the the threat of violence, uh, to try to get uh, impact the verdict. Now, Biden says he only did it because he knew the jurors weren't listening because they were sequestered. That's just baloney. It's completely reckless. And uh, they compromised and tainted 
the Chauvin trial, the, the Chauvin verdict. So what Judicial Watch has done is uh, we filed an ethics complaint against Maxine Waters over her statements about the Chauvin trial. Now, the House had a censure vote the other day. It was, I think, uh, I think it was a six by six votes. None of the Democrats uh, wanted to censure Waters for her comments. But there's another process in place uh, to hold government officials, specifically members of Congress, accountable, which is the House ethics process. Uh, which was reformed thanks to Judicial Watch working with none other than Nancy Pelosi way back when. It's about 10 plus years ago. It's back in 2006. And uh, they set up this quasi-independent body, the Office of Congressional Ethics, that vets complaints and sends them along and works with the House Ethics Committee. So we filed it with the Office of Congressional Ethics. Uh, and the complaint, I was honored to sign on behalf of you, and the American people. I'm going to read you the complaint. And this is what exactly what, what, well, I'll read you the complaint. Miss Waters took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States, which includes rights accorded to Officer Chauvin to a fair and impartial trial by jury of his peers and to due process. Miss Waters' inflammatory comments that pressured the jury while encouraging rioters rioters already engaged in rampant destruction of property and attacks on police officers to, quote, get more confrontational, unquote, are irresponsible and dangerous incitement by a member of Congress. House Rule 23, Clause 1 of the Code of Official Conduct of the Rules of, House of, 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 the, Rules of the House of Representatives, states a member, delegate, resident, commissioner, officer, or employee of the House shall conduct himself at all times in a manner that shall reflect credibly on the House. Miss Waters conduct surely does not reflect credibly on the House by encouraging violence in response to a quote, guilty unquote jury verdict. She seeks to undermine the Constitution's guarantees and protections and fosters the breakdown of civil society. Such dangerous and reckless rhetoric demands investigation. Most disturbingly still, this behavior by Representative Waters represents a pattern of conduct. In June 2018, Ms. Waters exerted, exhorted protesters to form, quote, crowds, unquote, to, quote, push back, unquote, on President Trump's cabinet members saying, quote, if you see anybody from the cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out, you create a crowd, and you push back on them, and you tell them that they are not welcome anymore, anywhere, close quote. That reprehensible conduct prompted Judicial Watch to file an earlier complaint with the Office of Congressional Ethics, which has been inexcusably ignored. Representative Maxine Waters' comments, in the least, fall under the expansive standard for incitement set by the House in its snap impeachment proceedings of President Trump. Judicial Watch calls upon the House, the Office of Congressional Ethics, to launch an investigation to Ms. Comet Waters' comments immediately. And her comments specifically were this. There are lots of things she said, but this is the most provocative. This is what she said um, if uh, Chauvin's not found guilty. This is the advice she gave. on me, and it's on tape, so this is a video. Well, we've got to stay on the street. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure they know that we mean business. So what do you think she meant? Now, she has since said, I haven't seen her exactly what she said, but my general impression is that she meant that people should be more activist in terms of getting reform through. 
But that's not the context here. Stay out in the streets and be more confrontational. So I was pleased to sign that complaint on behalf, again, of you, the American people, and of course, Judicial Watch, and we'll see what the House does with it. Uh, the ethics process is supposed to work in this regard. This is why the reforms were put in place, so the ethics process would be more transparent and accountable. It's right now broken. It's a black hole. We filed that law, that ethics complaint against Maxine Waters. We filed uh, about her comments about the Trump cabinet back in 2018. We have two complaints pending against Adam Schiff that have been ignored. One about his violations of the uh, of the regulations concerning the confirmation of classified information. He classified he confirmed classified information, which he's not supposed to do if you have a national security clearance like he did, or does, frankly. On top of that, he was messing with witnesses in the uh, Trump impeachment case uh, that we thought required an ethics investigation. And then on top of that, you have a lot on Mar where there are substantial issues related to uh, marriage fraud, uh, potential tax fraud, immigration fraud, all sorts of issues. Student loan fraud. This is uh, something that the uh, House Ethics Committee needs to handle. Now, but they've yet to do anything on it, despite requirements that they be transparent on the process. But compare and contrast that to Matt Gates. Now, Matt Gates has been in the news over uh, allegations he engaged in some sort of sexual misconduct, uh, but their newspaper reports. So, you know, they're given the media's credibility. It's hard to know what to believe um, or what, it, what, you know, he may have done something wrong or objectionable in someone's personal life. But uh, the legal issues, I think, are uh, it's quite unclear what he did that's wrong. Uh, but either way, the House Ethics Committee announced an immediate investigation of him. He's been convicted of nothing. He's been indicted of nothing. All he's been the subject of is newspaper reporting. And yet they've done nothing on Waters, Gates, and Alon. Excuse me. Yet they've done nothing on Waters, Schiff, and Alon O'More. And yet they immediately announced a snap investigation into Gates. Now, this is the way the House Ethics Committee works. It has three members of uh, the Republican Party and three members of the Democratic Party. So it's split evenly, which is unusual with a majority party usually runs the committee. In this case, uh, the Ethics Committee runs on a mutually assured destruction uh, process, meaning they can only proceed if you have both sides participate. So uh, it's clear the reason. Well, I shouldn't say it's clear. Is the reason they're not proceeding against the law no more and shift is because Pelosi doesn't want them to do anything? Or is it because Republicans also don't want to do anything? That's the question. And my view on the Ethics Committee is that the members of the Ethics Committee, I don't even have their names in front of me, doesn't really matter because they're creatures of the leadership. Nancy Pelosi and the minority leader, McCarthy, they're responsible for those folks on the committee and what they're doing or what they're not doing. And of course, other members of the caucus should be letting their views be known as well. So it's not enough to have a censure vote that goes nowhere. You've got to get a process in place to make sure these questions about what she did is properly vetted or are properly vetted. And it's up to Judicial Watch to kind of uh, call the House out on its failures to enforce its own ethics rules. I mean, they knocked 
uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene off committees, the Democratic majority did, because of comments she made before she was a member of the House. Here you have Waters making comments, not once, but twice at least, advocating for uh, incitement, really. One targeting senior government officials, incitement targeting an ongoing criminal trial in one of the most notorious police uh, cases, uh, uh, police on trial cases in American, uh, recent American history, if not modern American history. And Joe Biden, I guess there's no, I can't file an ethics complaint against Joe Biden. But you have these leftists intervening in our in, in our in our judicial system, and I don't know about you, but I uh, whether or not Chauvin's guilty or not, obviously he's guilty. The jury found him to be guilty. The question is: was the was the trial conducted in a way that gives Americans and and a court ultimately in the end the courts have to figure this out confidence that the trial was fair was there improper was there improper pressure improper public scrutiny on the case that made it impossible for Chauvin to get a fair trial in these circumstances I think that's an open question and certainly Waters comments add to the issue when you got you had rioting around around the issue I mean some of these jurors had to go back and forth in the middle of civil unrest it looks like or just evidence of civil unrest in the least, but sees the boarded up windows to know that what you do, there's a lot riding on. So uh, that's that's the debate. Uh, if I were on the jury, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, my instinct is uh, that uh, Chauvin wasn't guilty, but I'm, you know, I, jury was there for the entire trial. They made determinations about the witnesses. Uh, in person that those of us watching on TV really can't. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little more deferential to the jury than some other of my conservative friends are. But on the other hand, you know, we have to take a step back, both as, both as judicial watch and as citizens watching us, because we have a right to opine just because we're not sitting in the trial personally. Uh, about the about the results of a the trial, and b it's not about the trial, right? Because the left isn't satisfied with the results. They're using the fact that the, the that Chauvin was convicted of those crimes, not as vindication, but as justification to attack the police and undermine the public safety. You had the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Echo revolutionary communist rhetoric about systematic racism or systemic racism. That's an anti-American smear. It's an anti-police smear. If America is systematically racist, that means we shouldn't exist as a country. We're evil. If all our institutions are racist, they have to be destroyed, right? And redone. That's why I say it's communist revolutionary rhetoric. And have, the, and have the president of the United States thoughtlessly echoing that rhetoric, 
just because it's what that that segment of the political spectrum decides is the hot phrase of the day. It's just so it's, it's so dangerous. It's just so dangerous. So this is not about the children of Adam. This is about whether we're going to have the rule of law, whether we're going to have a country or not, whether we're going to have politicians that think America is not fit, that thinks half the country should be criminalized. We had Biden's ambassador to the United Nations talk about the racism is whatever the language is. The language is probably worse than I remember. But it runs through and through, she said, more or less, our founding documents and principles. Our country's under attack. And accordingly, uh, Judicial Watch is doing what it can to protect the rule of law in our constitutional system. Because under the guise of systemic racism or, quote, equity, how do you guarantee equity? Frankly, only through totalitarianism. But we're, I, that's something you won't hear in the media, but that's the fact of it. To make sure everyone has equal outcomes or outcomes that no one benefits improperly versus someone else based on their race, that's totalitarianism. It's the only way you can guarantee equal results. So again, more thoughtless rhetoric that engenders the less totalitarian and, and advances the less totalitarian impulse. Dangerous times we're in. So what is Judicial Watch doing? Well, we're obviously doing what we do, which is we, we're trying to figure out what's going on in the government, going to court to get access to information, suing where we can, where this Racialism, this extremism is being implemented. So we've got several cases in that regard. We have two cases in California over diversity mandates for boards of directors. Quotas. Where, where people are treated according to their race, sex and other qualities not on merit. And in Massachusetts, we have a court hearing on Monday. A lawyer, Michael Pikeshi, will be participating. Who's, he's running the case. We're representing Dave Flynn, um, a high school football coach who was fired from his high school co coaching job because of a few weeks earlier, a few months earlier, he complained about his daughter being taught in seventh grade ancient history class Black Lives Matter uh, propaganda and critical race theory propaganda. Anti-police, all sorts of, you know, everything that you might think. And he complained about it and he couldn't get anywhere with them. So he took his kids out of school. Out of the public school, at least. And he was fired in retaliation. It's quite evident based on the evidence shortly thereafter. So we're suing in federal court. And there's an order, there's a hearing on it on Monday. So we're not just complaining and exposing 
this assault on equal justice, equal protection of the laws. We're in court trying to vindicate and protect and preserve our Constitution and the notion that everyone gets a fair shake, no matter their race, and no one gets special treatment. And I've said it once, I'll say it again, the left does not believe in the race-neutral application of the law. We saw that during the Obama administration and its Justice Department, and they're bringing back the same crowd who are on the inside on the outside encouraging it. Now, it's, now they're coming all back. Some of them are coming inside to push this radical agenda. The Biden administration just announced through its Department of Education they'll be making grants to advance what essentially is critical race theory. So our schools are under attack. And if you have a child or a grandchild in school, and I don't mean just public school, I mean every school, you should take note as to what they're being taught because it's a crisis. So, uh, you know, wish us luck for the hearing on Monday. Uh, hopefully it will be uneventful. I'm, I'm thinking it might be just scheduling, but who knows? You never know if the court's going to talk substance or not. So the point is we're, the case is moving along. And it, we're just beginning to fight. We're just beginning to fight. We are taking this uh, deadly seriously. And uh, before I go, I want to highlight um, something else that needs to be done, uh, which is you need to pressure your members of Congress, your elected representatives at the states. You need to communicate with your, uh, your friends and your family. You need to write letters to the editor about the issues I'm talking about. If you're concerned about election security, you need to get active. If you're concerned about the failures of Republicans and Democrats to address these corruption issues forthrightly, you need to let them know. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are embroiled in a serious scandal. Do you hear Republicans talking about it? No, I don't. This UN ambassador I'm talking about saying those outrageous anti-American things. You know, can you imagine if the shoe were on the other foot? What would be going on? The Congress would shut down until she was removed from the position of UN ambassador. Our ambassador to the United Nations is engaging in anti-American agitprop. And no, nothing's going on in the Senate about it. Lisa Monaco, who was uh, in the Obama White House and was uh, a central figure in the illicit targeting of the Trump team, she was just approved for number two position by the Republican, not the Republican Senate, but the 50-50 Republican Senate by a vote of 98 to two. So if you think that's the way we need to hold people accountable by giving them uh, promotions, then you should share your concerns with your senators and congressmen. And believe me, it has an impact. I was encouraging online, social media, maybe we can put a, um, added into the video here, a clip of uh, the social media picture I used saying that Congress should reject earmarks. And I was encouraging people to call because in the House of Representatives, earmarks are essentially member-directed spending. Typically, the uh, Congress writes a check and the agencies have broad direction to spend the money. But Congress sometimes doesn't like that because it means some of the times their friends and their districts and, and other connected people 
can't get the can't get in on the money. So they specifically direct the money. And as you might imagine, it's been a uh, it's 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 a uh, a terrible thing in terms of corruption. It's just it's an opportunity for corruption. I always think of um, uh, I'm Catholic, and our act of contrition is more or less a part of it. Is you know, dear Lord, help me avoid sin, and then the occasions of sin. There's lots of near occasions of sin in Congress, certainly, but earmarks are a near occasion of sin. They're almost inherently corrupt. The process themselves undermine confidence in in um, in, in not only spending by Congress but spending by the agencies as well. And it's a misuse and abuse of tax dollars, generally speaking. And most folks on the left and right generally don't like it. But swamp creatures love earmarks. And they were curtailed um, about 10 years ago, more or less. But the swamp has always been trying to put them back. So Nancy Pelosi has come back in and it reinstituted earmark opportunities for the House with the agreement of many Republicans. Now, the good news is in the Senate, thanks to pressure from folks like you who called and listened to my request to call and let people know what they think about earmarks. And I don't tell you to call and say X, Y, and Z. You know, if you agree with me, call. If you don't agree with me, call. But just the point is, let your views be known because they want to hear your views. Republicans in the Senate declined to sign on to the earmark scam. So that was a that was a big victory. I don't want to overstate it, but it was a victory against corruption. But so this is what your job is going to have to be. You got to make sure your House members don't engage in the sh- in the shady practice of earmarking. See, this is what, you know, I know uh, some of you are concerned about what goes on in Washington and just how what goes on behind closed doors. No, it's not what goes on behind closed doors. That's the problem. It's what goes on in plain sight that no one wants to talk about. Earmarking will be a process. It won't be as transparent as other spending because of the corruption involved. That everyone's agreed to just now, at least in the House. And Republicans in the Senate, you know, magically, the swamp lost. So those are the sorts of corruption fights we're also engaged in. We're watching, uh, in addition to ethics complaints, but watching the processes of Congress to make sure they're vindicating the rule of law and acting in a way that is transparent and accountable. So, uh, you know, this, this last segment has been focused on, you know, you should be supporting Judicial Watch, number one. Because if we're not doing it, no one else will do the type of work I'm talking about. But B, you should be personally active as best you're able. So with that being said, I want you to have a wonderful week. And I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.